0: Hello, it's Shahid, and welcome back to another Creative Floor Awards podcast. Our award show is open, and the final deadline is Friday, the 14th of April. That really will be it. No more extensions, no more final, final, final deadlines or anything like that. So don't forget to get your work in. If you have work to put in, obviously, if you don't, don't worry about it. On today's podcast uh, we are answering some of your questions so we put a shout out a day before the recording and asked you what your biggest challenges are and we were quite frankly blown away by the amount of uh, questions that we got in. We put as many of them as we could to our panel today to give you a different perspective and some what I believe are pretty helpful suggestions. Main themes are around about money uh, there's some questions on sexual harassment, which is fairly sad, but I think we got to a helpful conclusion on that. Uh, some things around technology. Also, we had some questions around how to deal with over-emotional responses, as well as many others. We unfortunately couldn't get through all of them, but if you would like us to do more of these type of episodes, just get in touch. I'm more than happy to do another one and get through um, some questions to help you out Anyway, let us know what you think and uh, enjoy. Hello and welcome to another Creative Laws podcast. We are hopefully going to be answering some of your questions today and to help get the best answers, we are joined by an esteemed panel of lovely deirdries. Delighted to welcome global executive creative director, Media Monks and founder of Good Girls Eat Dinner, Joe Wallace. Hi,
1: great to be here.
0: Lovely to have you. Where are you calling from today?
1: Uh, East London today.
0: East London, great. Well, I'm West London, so we've got the capital covered. And uh, also joined by the voice of the internet, fellow podcaster, the Chief Creative Officer Grey Health and Wellness, New York, Tim Jones. Hello, Tim. Hello, Shahid. Hey, everybody. Hello, welcome. We haven't been on one of these for at least a year three, three hours I think. so it's nice nice to have you back <laughs> nice to welcome you and all the way from down under fellow podcaster creative war room and founder and creative general of the health army tobe whitford hello tobe
2: hey guys hi shaheed thanks again for having us here all the way from sydney
0: yeah, we, you can just tell from our voices that we're waking up and uh, you're in the full swing of things with probably your second bottle of wine. So just...
2: <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, we call this episode Dear Deirdre. Dear Deirdre's is possibly the most famous agony aunt column in the UK. For those of you who might not know what we're going on about, delighted to be joined by this panel of Deirdre's today. We basically have the world covered. So we put a shout out, only yesterday actually, within our social networks, for uh, to ask people to submit a question. I think it, it seems like there's a lot of people out there who need some help and some some advice. I got a lot more questions than I anticipated. And some of the, the, the panel today have also submitted some questions that they've got. We'll try and get through as many as possible. For legal reasons, what you're about to hear <laughs> is merely <mainly> advice, <laughs> or <those> opinions. <laughs> Feel free to take it or leave it. And in some cases, we might not even know what to say. I do have a pretty heavy question around sexual harassment, but I won't kick wow. off with that because I think we we might need to build up and wake up for that one. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll start off gently. Yeah, should we just kick it off? Shall I go through the first question? And by the way, most of these go questions, I don't even know half of these questions because a lot of questions came through our awards at the creator4.com email. I don't, I don't run that. I don't look at it. And I intentionally told Peter, who looks after that, I don't want to see who these are from if they have specifically come in anonymously. So I don't know who's asking this. But anyway, here we go. Right. First one. I'm an MD who runs an agency. How do I get my creatives to act less emotionally to feedback? <laughs> who wants to kick that one off? I will. Go on. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, I think that's a really um, quite short-sighted way to look at it because if they didn't have that emotion, they wouldn't be good creatives. I can relate, however, that you obviously need to act professionally in the face of feedback. Um, And I think it's something that comes with experience. I definitely used to get much more upset than i do now now it's kind of you know we all know that only one in probably 150 ideas gets out the door but um i think it's it's something that given that creativity is what this industry sells i find it ever surprising how little respect it has at the same time so i think it's something we have to be really mindful of that Creativity requires emotion. and Without it, we wouldn't have great creative.
3: To- totally agree. Totally agree. I think just to add on to that, you know, creative people, they need a home where an agency where they can feel like their ideas are being protected. So if I'm assuming this creative team is getting constant feedback to change their ideas, yeah, that's going to be a problem. You know, I feel like it's the onus is also on the account team, on the MD of this agency to push back on clients' often uh, nonsensical remarks or sort of tweaks <laughs> um, and make sure that c- the creativity is being respected. Um, obviously, there are times when work needs to change, but I think it's important that, um, you know, the, the whole agency is supportive of pushing back respectfully.
2: I think that's a, that's a great question, and I always want to start with the MD, you know, what do you think about creativity, number one? How how do you feel about it? Because these guys have obviously put their heart and soul on it. And I think it was a quote from somebody, I can't remember who it was. They said, like, coming up with ideas is like opening a vein. And I think it was – I can't remember what it was. It was in a book, and I think it was um, Cutting Edge Creative. I think that's what the book was – it came from. And and it, and I've always sort of taken that upon, upon myself to sort of, like, always imagine that, like – Somebody who's come up with that idea has actually put their personal feelings into this to come up with it. So rather than just shoot it down or, or, or just or say, oh, they're just emotional, try and empathize with them and then try and um, put your opinions in, in, in a way that's going to build upon an idea rather than be sort of like straight away destructive or, or um, you know, just unhelpful. But I said it, it's also sometimes just part of your process,
0: yeah. You know, I used to, when I was running teams and stuff, you just had two or three people and they mm. would just explode. But after you got, after you counted about 10 seconds, they would just kind of go, okay, cool. Now, now, how do we get over this problem? You know, it's just sometimes as part of the process, yeah. And I think it's to sort of add to everything you've said for this MD, maybe I, I'd suggest to get your creatives to present more of the work, because if they're directly in front mm-hmm. of your clients, they can hear it mm-hmm. firsthand, and, you know, it won't feel like a them and us situation either because equally mm. the accountants should be feeling it as emotionally as the creatives because it's all about your product at the end of the day it's not about well, we do the numbers and you do the work it's it's the whole thing's one thing yeah exactly yeah i agree yeah. i
2: agree it's, it's it's almost like working again it's that it's that it's that i had a conversation with these other guys, these, these these guys on on another another uh, platform and then we're just talking about being on the same boat and i'm thinking if everybody's on that same boat and everybody knows where they're going and everybody feels kind of like in the same – everybody's got each other's backs. As soon as you, as soon as you know that – as soon as you have that feeling, this person I'm going to present to is not going to get my back, it just heightens it, I think, maybe. Yeah, and, yeah. and also, also one thing just to add again <laughs>
3: is sometimes clients give feedback it's not gospel you know what they're saying is not like written in stone that it has to be actioned or you know someone's life depends on it because i feel like we get this long list of things that need to change in the creative and actually if you know what i do normally as i say oh that's a great comment and then i just fucking ignore it you know <laughs> <laughs> because most times they don't remember what they're saying they're just saying something to make make themselves you know part of the meeting or or, you know you have a junior um client who's just sort of trying to chime in so I often do that and and it works well because let's see if they remember the next round um you know if you haven't changed that horse into a donkey because donkeys test better or whatever it is
1: yeah I I think sometimes um you would hope anyway that if the creatives aren't in the room at that point or they haven't presented and they aren't able to kind of actually directly answer the feedback. But you would hope that whoever is presenting the work will understand that if you were to remove one element of it, it kills the whole idea. And I think sometimes that's not always... um, perceived by the client in the way that a creative will understand which again as as was said it's important for the creatives to be there and to present in as many cases as possible Um, because if I say oh can you change the colour of that that's not as drastic perhaps as can you remove that element which would mean that the entire idea would just fall apart and um, you'd hope that people would understand it but they don't always.
2: Because I think the MD was was talking about emotion and and how they're getting super super emotional about it all for for creatives out there also to to make sure that they they've got their boxes ticked in terms of okay we're answering the brief this this thing is on strategy you know it's bang on strategy it's answering the brief or it's like it's going above the brief and beyond the brief but still it's on strategy and you know they can then reference that back and have those weapons to sort of say to this guy or girl or whoever it is to say, look, you know, we're, we're, we're hitting the mark here, you know, and then for them to sort of, and for them on the other side of the fence, is it, is it hitting these objectives and talk about it from a, from, you know, from a a objective point of view, rather than this sort of subjective point of view where emotions sort of like hide and play.
1: Mm. Yeah. I think sometimes, um, I've noticed more and more, actually, that a brief is kind of a nice to have in some cases, and it needs to come back as being an absolute necessity. If everyone hasn't kind of aligned to a brief, then that's when you can end up in quite murky waters. And as you say, having strategy really backing up the idea um, puts you in much better stead than if you've kind of got a vague idea of the brief, and then you've done some work, and they're saying it's not right. You, you've got no leg to stand on in that. Absolutely case.
0: fantastic! I think we've definitely unpacked that question quite yeah. comprehensively. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Only twenty-seven thousand to go.
0: Are you happy to move on to the next question? I think you've answered yeah, go that pretty pretty well. Okay, yeah. right, next one. I'm really struggling financially. I love my agency, but they're not in a position to give me what I realistically need to stay. What should I do? Oh, this is the big one.
3: Can can I answer this one?
0: Yeah, yeah. You can all answer it. Go on, Tim.
3: Yeah. So for for me, I I relate to this question a lot. I've been in a situation before, um, you know, where financially it just doesn't make sense. And every month you are sort of struggling to get by. but. You're absolutely in love with the creative team you're with. You're in love with um, the agency and the vision. And, um, you know, that happened to me when I moved to the UK. I took a massive drop in salary um, to work with great people. And it it nearly ruined me financially, you know. I was in a really bad place. And um, I had to make a difficult decision to to leave to sort of make sure my family was more stable, you know. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one because we're all creative. Um, and the thing that motivates us is the work and the people, um, and having to choose between survival or, or, you know, being able to create is a difficult decision. And I think a lot of creative people go through that, especially because we're so undervalued in this industry, um, sadly at, at the sort of junior to mid level. So yeah, it's a difficult question. I would say if you have a family, it's, um, you know, it, it's on you to may, maybe be a bit more financially driven. Um, but if you if you aren't and you're able to take that sacrifice and you're in a place that is making great work and building your portfolio, then I would say stay because it's all about the work. If you're in an agency or a, a place where you can create award-winning work, you are building your currency in this industry. So um, just have to consider that as well. But yeah, that's a tough one. I'm sure everybody listening um, and those on this line have have been there before.
1: Yeah, I find um, it's also a slight sort of sidestep on that question. If you can really fully believe that they don't have the funds, I feel as though, as you just mentioned, that creativity is a massively undervalued element of this industry, which again, is really surprising given that it's the product. But um I mean, I think we've all been there and you're kind of thinking, can they really not afford to give me a a rise or is this a kind of, you know, smoke and mirrors to just keep me going as I am? And only you can really answer that question. And yeah, I I agree that you've got to kind of weigh up, am I going to get to do great work here, which in the long term is going to lead to a better position and more ability to you know, go where I want to go and hopefully earn the money I want to earn. Or if that's also lacking, then I think it's definitely time to move on. Because if it it can be really awful if you're not getting good work out and you're not getting the salary you want, because then you don't even have the kind of jump pad to to get out.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm the worst person to ask this one. (laughs) I feel yeah, I've actually put money money last um, and, um, you know, to the detriment of, of myself, to be honest. And I got, I got asked this a lot when I was at agencies too. It was like, I
0: need more money, I need more money. And, it, and my answer to everyone, even when they come, before they'd even joined the agency, was, I know I've done my job when I can't afford to keep you anymore right? So the, I think the the prospect of somebody wanting to, to maybe sort of give my perspective on this question is there's nothing wrong with moving for more money, right? As long as you're still protecting your own values, your own creativity and all those sorts of things. So I think you've all made a really fair point indirectly that you can move for money, but ultimately your value is wrapped up in your portfolio and your work and all those sorts of things. I mean, one of the things that I've sort of picked up from the first question the second question you sort of of mentioned it joe is this sort of lack of uh value that's associated with creativity right i mean when you just sort of step back a little bit right because i don't work day to day in agencies like like you three right most of the people listening to this podcast right and all three of you are adding millions if not billions of dollars every single year indirectly for the clients that pay you That's just Mm. a fact right and what you know and what you do is so incredibly powerful right you know you know what a brand is you know how to build it you know how to communicate you understand what insight is you know what strategies you know how to execute all creative people are amazing amazing people right from from the sort of perspective of a side hustle right the, the fact that you're making millions and billions every single year for your clients, the prospect of saying you want to have an extra couple of grand a month from doing something creative doesn't sound that difficult when you sort of put it in that context, right? Mm. So, anyway, I, I don't know if I'm even answering this question. I'm sort of going on a bit of a random spitball, as I do. But I think <laughs> I, I would. I think when you look at the world that we're in, like making things has never been more accessible. Whether you want to yeah. sell whether you want to make jewelry whether you want to create a podcast and monetize that or a youtube channel or making candles or whatever happens to be like the world is your oyster from the comfort of your own home arguably so another way of looking at it if you can't find a job that gives you more money don't don't think that you can't build your own brand and do something for yourself and and use that creativity to have that freedom and hopefully a bit more financial freedom
2: Yeah. Yeah, so I yeah, I agree. I just, I just also just just I just thought about something. I think Sir John Haggerty said something, and he said he had a creative team coming up to him. Well, you know, we're not happy. You know, we need more money. I think he, he kind of said, "Okay, you got bit. You got you got a fridge full of beer. You got a great view. You're working on some of the best best clients around, like Levi's and all that kind of stuff. So what's you know what's so what's what's the problem?" And they go, oh well, I don't know, really, you know, and so, you know, sometimes you just got to take stock and, and actually sort of take yourself out and give yourself a good look in the mirror and go, geez, I've actually got it really good here, you know, it's something. I mean, we can feel sorry for ourselves because I, I agree with all of you that creatives are underlooked because we're not just creative; we are the, the way we wear so many hats. It's unbelievable. Um, but again, it's just it's just show the world that, like you said, Shahid, like you can do something else. Show the world what you what you can do. Don't sit in those four walls and just whinge about it. You know, get out and do something.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Can sometimes make your own luck. I, in a couple of instances, have kind of made my own campaigns kind of proactively, and then they did win awards. And then you're kind of like, see, if imagine what I could do if you actually had the budget behind me. Um But I I do also have a slight kind of, I think that Hegarty story is like very true in some respects, but I also just, I have this real issue that we should be really grateful because we get to do a job that's creative as though it's (laughs) always fun, but it isn't. So um, it's a strange thing that, why is it that creative is perceived as well? You know, you should be just enjoying the fact that you're getting to be creative, but because we all know that, you know, if we wanted to be purely creative, it would be sort of fine artists but there's a lot of commercial pressure and a lot of as you say you have to wear several hats you've got to be strategic you've got to be able to liaise with the clients and build rapport um, bring in business sometimes etc so it's so much more than having mm. a bit of a creative play around and enjoying it. Totally agree. Yeah
0: that, you know, Joe, that's a really great point that this whole gratefulness because I think we probably all come from that generation where you're always told you know you've got to be really grateful you've got a placement and they're just covering your, your, your travel if you're lucky and I know. You know now you've got a job and it's still less than what you'd be earning at McDonald's but you've got to be really grateful.
1: I, and- I was on a panel the other day <laughs> and I mentioned that I started my career in 1999 and it just so happened somebody else on the panel had too and we mentioned about the hours we used to have to put in and the fact that we were barely paid and people were horrified in the room. <laughs> Yeah. It's like a really it's changed so much. People wouldn't put up with that anymore.
3: Yeah, it's I, th- I think it just boils down to we as creative people need to understand our true value because we we just completely devalue ourselves in every situation. And you're right, like this fallacy of creative team, we just you know, a couple of crazy people having fun, woo. That's not the case, you know. We we are we are serious professionals, um, <laughs> or are we? Um, but, you know, a, a great story in my career, which I, I always remember when, I, when it comes to giving advice to people, creative people who are um, feeling like they're not valuing themselves, is I remember being a junior in, a, in an agency, and I was doing some work experience, and the creative director said to me, uh, Tim, come, come, come with me. Um, I'm interviewing a designer. So I was like, okay, great. So he said, before we go in, I have two envelopes with me. One is for a salary of £40,000, say, uh, and the other one's for a salary of £20,000, so literally half. And he was like, let's see which one this designer talks himself into. And I pr- I promise you that was the most eye-opening meeting of my life because that designer was, <laughs> you know, like we all are. Oh, I'm so grateful. I just want to do good work. Um, and when it came to um, the creative director asking him what his salary expectations were, he said, "Well, whatever it is, what you know, what do you have?" Kind of um, mentality, and he ended up getting the 20000 thousand £20, pound salary wow. envelope. Wow. And the creative director said to me afterwards, he said, "Never devalue yourself because that's what we, you know, we do that all the time, and it's not fair." Um, yeah. And they will always take advantage yeah. of you. Yeah, he ended up promoting that designer a, a few months later. So all, all was well, but
2: yeah, what a lesson. <laughs> I- <laughs> i was going to say I, I i had a sort of similar thing there but i was on the other end i was the i was the person being interviewed i was trying to actually get out of healthcare at one point which was a long time ago and i'm so glad i didn't and um it was for a mainstream agency and uh he goes uh he said so so what do you what do you want i said i said x you know so well, he sort of laughed at me and he said well you, you got no experience in this, in this in this area and i said well, i have you know i, I come up with ideas he said, oh, no, I've just got you in for just for this particular, uh, you know, just you showed me some work and I only like that one piece. That's it. I said, well, you know, give me a go and I'll show you. So that, that he said, you've got two bigger tickets on yourself. So, you know, it's 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 funny, isn't it? So you can get you can get you can get whacked down easily um, depending on where you are. So that 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 salary thing does tie into, um, again, you know, experience as well and, and, and particularly health. And having that sort of that, that experience in health um, is is can be a, a, such a great thing. But also, if you're trying to switch or, or turn or do something different, it's, it's hard as well. Okay, I think we're all very fired up now. I'm going to ask for a pay
0: rise <laughs> right after this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to ask myself.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd be a bit remiss if I didn't mention the kind of elephant in the room that there's a massive gender pay gap in our industry as well as many others and, Something that with international women's day having just happened, um we definitely need to continue to be trying to reach equality and equity as we go forwards
0: yeah no that's that's a that's a great shout mm. so what, what, why why isn't the gap just being closed i mean how how much more conversation needs to happen? I mean, I just don't yeah. really understand it
1: well, we have a systemic issue obviously I mean if you think about the fact that only twelve percent of creative directors in the UK are female, but 80% of purchasing decisions are made by women. Yeah, And, I mean, it's probably no surprise that 70% of women feel alienated by advertising. And I'm not saying that men can't create comms that speak to women or vice versa, but if we have a situation where no women are getting to the top, then that's a huge reason for the gender pay gap. And obviously, gender's one aspect. It's not just about kind of gender um, across the conversation of inclusion and diversity. But it's just not happening because, I mean, I'll quote my friend Cindy Gallup you know, the white dudes at the top talking to other white dudes are very comfortable. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. So there's not really a desire for change in some cases, if we're completely honest.
0: Uh, yeah, it's, beca- it's become like a protection racket, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, that's a really good segue, because I'm going to jump down to another question then, which is a good segue, actually, I think. Okay, I'm from an ethnic background in a creative department, and even though my agency talks about the importance of, of diversity, every new senior hire is white. Will this ever change? Who wants to pick that grenade up?
1: I mean, I just on the back of what we were saying, I I do think we've reached a bit of a sticky point where... The DNI conversation for a lot of agencies has become a smokescreen, and they'll publicly put out positive messages, send people on training courses, shout about how open they are, and then everyone working inside the agency knows that that's not true. Mm. And, and again, I think from I, I can't speak to this personally, but from speaking to lots of people of colour including my wife, who kind of works in this industry, if you're the only person on the call that looks like you, you're not really going to want to stay. And if the culture isn't there for you to want to stay, that's a a factor. Um, So again, I think there's got to be a tipping point somewhere where um, it isn't such a homogenous industry and people aren't being made to feel as though they don't fit. But if we don't have those varied voices within our industry, how can we possibly think we're gonna to speak to the varied society out there? Yeah. I find it ludicrous, to be honest.
0: Yeah. I mean we obviously know that this is this is another another white elephant in the room. What can this person do? They're in the agency, they're not making these hires. What what practical things can they do to to make themselves feel like there is a little bit of movement if if there is anything?
1: I mean, I think it's a difficult one because just I I don't think black people should have to educate white people on racism. And I don't think, you know, as a gay person in an agency, I don't want to be running the LGBTQ group as another piece of work on top of the work I've already got. So it's a really difficult area because, of course, you've got to have someone that understands and can represent. But why should they have that added Burden. I think it's on the agency to look at themselves and think, what can we do? Do we genuinely mean this? Because, you know, it's been proven it's good for your bottom line at the end of the day if you've got a more diverse team. Um, so I think it's on them.
0: I think you're absolutely right. But here's let me play devil's advocate with that, right? Mm. We've already acknowledged that we've kind of got this racket at the top, right? People put, looking after themselves talking a good game putting a smoke screen up in most cases right now we've read all the facts about the bottom line etc cetera, etc cetera. we know all of that but are they realistically the right people to start making these initiatives if fundamentally they're never going to change
1: no <laughs> and there's the and there's the crux of the issue right (laughs) exactly so even
0: though so I'll let me speak from a person you know who isn't white and all those sorts of things who used to work in the agency world yes it took a huge amount of extra time it took you know time that I didn't have but yes you know I had to have those conversations I was part of an education program you know trying to open safe spaces where people could ask anything because I think at the same time my learnings was it was all about intention. People could ask me the most ridiculous things that on the, you know, if you just read them cold in an email might come across as fairly racist, but actually when you kind of heard the intention behind it, it wasn't, it was just them wanting to just ask and just find out something yeah. in space. So if it doesn't come from these minority groups in the agencies, is it ever going
2: to change? Yeah, it's just—I think. Do you know what? I mean, I'm look, I'm white, okay. I'm a male. Um, I'm um, heterosexual, but I just think you know. And, and I, number one, it surprises me that there's a pay gap. That that really does fucking surprise me. I just cannot get my head around that. You know, number one, that's just ridiculous. And number two, I, I think agencies uh, are so full of shit half the time they talk and talk and talk about we're doing this we're doing that look at us look at this and um, they don't follow it up with action and i know for a fact it's, it's just like we're sticking something on our email we'll put a little post out with a hashtag on it um, and it's bollocks mm. amen
3: yeah that's the thing i'm so t- i'm so tired of it you know big network agencies flaunting all this change and investment it's all bollocks they're all yeah it's all shit and you you know like uh, it's and again you you know as a white male Mm -hmm. leading an agency it's embarrassing you know when when it's it's but also it's it's hard because there's not enough talent coming through um the the sort of junior level um you know all the programs that we want to start which are um you know, will, will have impact, it, they're sort of long term programs. So that's frustrating, because it's, you know, the, the problem needs fixing now. Um, and yeah, I, I just feel like agencies and, um, you know, holding companies need to be better at, at promoting internal talent, um, getting, uh, g- getting the right people in the room, and not just giving it lip service, but actually doing stuff about it. So yeah, yeah, I,
1: yeah, I was just gonna say that, thank god we have reached a point where clients are literally saying to agencies what on earth is wrong with you like why have you got a team that's completely homogenous like we get on a call with clients sometimes in my past jobs and it's embarrassing as you say you're so blatantly not with the program and the client is and now Mm. we've reached a point where they're just like fuck off I don't want to work with you unless you're on board with the modern day world. And it's only now that it's beginning to hit people's bottom line, that there's going to, I think we're going to see some real action, because sadly, the money will speak. And if you're not getting business, because you don't represent, you know, the society's diversity, then you're going to suddenly change it. But then what we've got to be wary of is people being willed into meetings. I'm sure we've all had this experience where, oh God, we need to get someone that's a bit different. Let's, oh, let's wheel that person in, shall we? <laughs> just they don't actually know what this brief's about, but put them in the room quick. And I've experienced things like that in the past which are just horrifying. Yeah. So, you know, it's got to be done genuinely. Um, but I do think the money behind, you know, putting a rocket up people's butts is gonna certainly help. Yeah,
0: I think, yeah, yeah that's a great point. I mean, I, equally, I've met clients who are as bad. You know, true I, I, true. I like I've been in meetings where they've gone, oh, could you make it more aspirational? And you're like, what does that mean? And basically- what urban. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Everyone knows what I'm talking about. And so, yes, not to sort of plug this podcast or the award show, but the whole premise of the Creative Floor Awards came on the back of me being the only brown person in in my agency in the creative department mm-hmm. so i guess yes we we're certainly talking about the issues and the challenges and, and, and how awful it is but thing you can do think you can make a difference if you want to as an individual like you know i started this with no money we're 10 years down the line we're still talking about things has thing have things fundamentally changed that much no but we've raised a lot of money to help a lot more pipeline of different types of people into the industry and we'll keep going as long as the industry wants it. But if there is any examples of what you can do as an individual, just take a look at this. I'm talking to you this morning on the back of this as a as a as an issue that was very personal to me over a decade ago. Mm. So I guess you know not to sort of plug this but because it just came to my mind. I was like, oh well this this was one idea <laughs> that I came yeah. up with to try and help. So it makes a point that Yes, it is crap. It is horrible. Sometimes you get some great clients who can kind of force agencies' hands. But at the same time, again, this sort of harks back to how powerful creative people can be when they just sort of acknowledge the skill sets that they have. Whether you're you're gay or you're, or you're black or you're whatever, it doesn't matter what you are. If you've got if you've got a burning issue, whoever whoever's asked this question, if you've got a burning issue. You're not going to change your white CCO's brain. You can wait for them to die if you want before you take their <laughs> chair. <laughs> but but it's going to be much more beneficial for you to do something to make that change. It could be even getting to you know even volunteering yourself for organisations like Brixton Finishing School or F or Key for Life or. You know, lots of amazing organisations are around that are trying to do what they can for the industry, partner with them, get involved, bring them into your agency. This is a, we're in this for the long haul, right? This is not going to be fixed overnight. But I, I just thought within this question, we, we've got to try and give people a bit of a boost, I guess.
1: Yeah, because, um I mean, you saying that reminded me as well. Like, oh, yeah, that's why I started Good Girls Eat Dinner, to get more <laughs> visible female creative <laughs> role models into the four and I've been doing it for over seven years now and like just the most recent one French Connection collaborated and so it's really interesting how as you say you start something because you're so passionate about it and I absolutely love doing Good Girls Eat Dinner I'm sure you absolutely love doing this and you just kind of finally um, it begins to make so much sense and I you know I don't make any money from Good Girls Eat Dinner but um it's the fact that people come up to me afterwards and say oh my god i was thinking about starting a business and now i'm definitely going to uh or i'm going to go in tomorrow with a completely different i'm going to go and have a chat with you know i've decided i need to talk about this um it it's just yeah i i do think a, an individual can 100% make a difference um but i think the main point is they need to be supported and everyone can be an ally and it's about kind of reading the books and doing the work and asking the questions, as you said, and not expecting that it's all going to change around you if you're not helping. Mm-hmm. Brilliant.
0: Cool. Okay. Do you want to go into the next question? I think we've um, yeah definitely unpacked that one. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to one of your questions then, Tobe, that you got. Okay. So, do we think Adland is an ageist industry?
2: Yes. Well, just, yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> P- Pregnant horns. <moms. laughs> I, I, th- I, do you know what? Um. Well, it, it, yeah. So that, that one sort of like came from my neck of the woods. And, you know, I think it sort of, it, it does, it does worry me. I think it is. I think it is. Um, because I guess inherently, um, advertising as a broad sort of statement, so like set to be sort of like the trend, the young, but as we as we sort of like go through, you know, we're all an aging population. Um, it was all around, you know, perceived to have older thinking. So that was like, like and, and you know, what does that actually mean? You know, like somebody has older thinking. Um, so that 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 kind of that sort of comment worries me a little bit. You know, I don't know about you guys, but um, it cer- certainly worries me. I'm fifty five, right? So I'm probably way older than you guys on on this on this call. So, um, you know, f- for me to go out there and, and, and try and get a, try and get a, a, a brand new role, I think is, you know, is, is going to, I feel in my mind is going to feel quite hard, you know, but saying that you've got, you've got, you've got so much experience, not only just in the creativity, but in managing and helping people and, and, and promoting people. And you see things from different angles. So I think it, I think it is, I think it is ageist. Um, but don't don't lose heart I think I think I think we can we can really make a difference us old people whoever however you think old is can make a make a serious difference sorry a bit of a ramble there but I just this that's that's my point of view on it right you get an old hope It's what you <laughs> I know I know i am just yeah. got my pipe and slippers you know
1: it, 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 it's a bit of a double-edged sword right because a I think agencies I mean it's, it really helps them on not having to pay people and give them a pay rise if they just keep getting a churn of younger people. But then what we end up with is no experience. And then you've got kind of people learning from someone that's only been in the industry a few years. So I think experience is really undervalued. Like the, the difference that can make is huge. So hopefully you'll be safe in that respect. But there's also the kind of other side of it where, because we don't have older people within agencies as much as we perhaps need we're not represent and we we have this kind of if you look at ads and they show people that are over 30 if you're lucky they like we don't even represent them properly and it's beginning to slightly change with older models etc but i find it really surprising how we just show ads as though the whole world is populated by young people. And as you just said, (laughs) the population is aging. And I've actually just Googled it because I'm really, like, curious. And I've put in how much is the grey pound worth in the U.K., 320 billion. They're the people Mm -hmm. with the money. And it's like – I don't mean to be kind of um, dismissive, but young people often don't have the money thanks to the state of the economy in various places – so it's actually the older people that have got all this surplus money and we're ignoring them. It's a bit bizarre.
3: It's it's weird. It's weird. Yeah. And, and also in, in the industry, you know, experience is the most valuable thing for any creative in mm. this industry. And it's so strange that it's it's sort of seen as a negative thing. I mean, I look back at my career. And I tell you what, I sure as shit have not learned uh, from young creatives, I have always learned from people who have been in, <laughs> you know, been in the game for a long time or who have tips and secrets to getting work through or making stuff better or, you know, experience is so golden. And, mm. you know, experience comes with, with age or with years spent in this industry. So, yeah, it is, it is it's a weird phenomenon. Uh, I, I hate it. And, you know, as a slightly youngish person, um, I really don't understand it. You know, I'd much rather surround myself with people who who can help me and who can help this agency or whatever it is get better. Mm-hmm. And that normally yeah. comes with people who have done it a few times, you know.
0: Do you think it's more acute with the creative department
3: versus the other? I others? think so. I
0: yeah. think so.
3: Yeah, I think yeah. so. And
0: it's also maybe it's also down to the,
3: the industry just being a bit sort of caught up or hung up on advertising to Gen Z and, you know, it's like, fuck. I, I I was judging an award show and every case film mentioned our know, target market, Gen Z, Gen Z, Gen Z. And it's like, yeah, cool. Um and that's probably why the hiring decision is going slightly skewing slightly younger, you know, for people who can understand that market. But at the end of the day, a great creative is someone who understands how to make people move, you know, how to how to tell a story in a in a great way. Irregardless of market or media or trends or whatever, so yeah, I think it's really really short sighted.
2: Yeah, it is. It feels it feels you know we talk we spoke about sort of gender gaps and and and, and all that kind of stuff. I feel you know we're it's sort of a, sort of parallel to some of those things. It feels a bit you know just speaking from me who's, who's an older 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 person. But I don't feel it. You know definitely don't. Um, mm. And I don't look fifty five. That's for sure. I hope it's not. Um, if only we had
1: our cameras on, I could. Job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> but it's yeah. But it, it it does feel it does feel like you you some some marginalised. It does it does feel it does feel that way And maybe as I said, it maybe just I, I'm sort of carrying that a little bit. You know, um, thinking, oh, geez, if I get back into it, you know, and people look at me and go, oh no, he's he's had it. You know, he's he's done it. But yeah, but you haven't. You haven't. No. And you really want to add to things, and you really want to. Do you know what? I actually, I think. I actually want to help, and this is this is a, you know hand on heart, and I'm doing something anyway on, on a part time charity thing to help younger people. And I think you know, my my passion is to help younger people in the industry. Um, you know, get get ahead, and I, and I've got all the time in the world will for them. You know, and I'm I'm not one of those the grey pound or anything. You know, um, def, definitely not. I haven't got that sort of like cash hanging around. Um, but um, yeah, we 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 as as older creatives want to help want to help and we still want to be we're still vital and we still want to do great things we still have um passions and visions and and really want to um still want to still want to win awards for christ's sake you know like we we still want to do all that kind of stuff this is speaking maybe i should become a, like an ambassador for for the uh the aging population of, of creatives or something but i just think you know i just think we're probably focused on 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 helping younger people and um, well I hope so anyway and I think that's that should be kind of like the light should be shed on that a little bit
1: yeah yeah
0: well Toby I mean you you sort of you're setting a great example of what you can do right which is your own thing Mm. so yeah exactly just because just but yes Adland is ageist certainly if you're creative for sure but I think it all comes down to your own confidence and it's sort of you know something theme from some of the other questions that we've had earlier. Like creative people are really powerful. Fine, you know, big network doesn't want to hire you anymore because you're too expensive. Do your own thing. Make more money. You know, do more with your own time. Go and go and do your own thing. So I think you're still setting a great example of like what you can do to overcome can't overcome the inevitable when it all happens to us, right? It's uh, it's like oh, the right men. Like it's that's all of us <laughs> at, at one point or another.
1: And there's a huge there's a huge difference between someone that's older that keeps up with what's going on and someone that's kind of always harping back to the past. I mean, obviously, mm. the latter one isn't going to survive. But, I mean, personally, I love to know, I think all of us on here, love to know what's going on. And even if I'm not an expert, I've got a great team that are. So what a brilliant combination, like experience plus genuine sort of youth Um but, yeah, it, it is strange that we don't have more of a mix as, as we don't with many other kind of differences, and that's the mental problem.
2: I, I agree. And, I, and I, think, I think also, I think um, we're more open to listening to people. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we've got, you know, I, 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 I'm speaking from, person, from my own person. I, I know Tim says you don't learn off off, off off some of the younger folks, but sometimes you can um sometimes you can learn 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 some shit and, and i say you know and i always have that kind of like mindset about maybe they could teach me something you know um i could definitely teach them something for sure I, and, and i hopefully do it in a way that doesn't make them feel like they've been taught um mm-hmm. but they can certainly certainly teach me and I, and I and i agree joe that keeping up with stuff is so important you know whether it's whether it's you know chat gpt or whether it's figma whether it's learning a new software, whether it's learning a new sort of a programming language, um, I just think I just think it's it's vital. And I think you know, embrace those people out there. I agree. You don't want some stuffy old fart that's just going to be bringing the whole world down. Piss them off, right? But you want you want somebody who's going to you know who wants to do wants to help or wants to do things. Embrace it, and um, you know, the more the merrier. Because we're all humans, you know. Yeah, I mean, keeping up with things can also apply to young people. I mean, totally. you know,
0: being shit isn't dependent on your age, right? So no, that's
3: right. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> uh,
0: that's cool. young shit. Exactly. 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 <laughs> All right, are you, you happy you've um, unpacked that one? Yeah. Cool. All right, well, this is a proper... Dear, Deidre question, and I genuinely have no idea who this is. So let me read it out. This is a bit complicated. Okay. Our new creative director has a track record, in brackets, at a previous agency for sexual harassment. To make it worse, the people who hired him were the same that got rid of him at the previous agency for his behavior. I've mentioned it to the person that's hired him, and their response was, it was a long time ago. Any advice? I'm going to throw that grenade right into the centre. <laughs> oh, my God. Ooh, wait, I'm just looking I, for the mute button.
1: <laughs> I, um, I'm just really saddened that I hear these stories all the time. And as a female in my position, which is kind of less common, I am someone that quite a lot of women will come to to talk about various things and even strangers. And I, I know that there's a few of us that, are kind of reached out to and amongst that us we're just like what is going on and no names are given but the stories are always the same and I think that there's such an underbelly of problematic behavior that's being overlooked and in some cases people don't even know it's going on but when you've got a situation where the management are very aware and very unconcerned that's that's scary. And um this isn't the first story I've heard like this in a matter of weeks.
0: Really? Well, are you are you finding this is quite a, a common thing? Very yeah. Right. Okay. What do you say? Okay, because we've got this as a question as well. Like, what, I mean, what 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 do you say to them?
1: Well, um, it's always down to the individual what they want to do, but we've got a situation here where the person is speaking up. You know, the question asker here is saying, I've approached management and they're saying simply it was a long time ago. Now, you know, that is an argument, but is it the right argument? Uh, the only thing you can ultimately do is vote with your feet. But it's sad that in many cases, I mean, I was part of a Make NDA's Fair um, initiative recently. And I did that along with a brilliant lawyer called Shilpin Savani. Ali Hannon from um, Creative Equals and Jerry Dakin and and a few others too, but it, it stemmed from I don't know whether any of you'll remember, but Zoe Scammon wrote a piece a couple of years ago, really showcasing just how much of a problem there is of sexual harassment in this industry. And in her article, I think it was called "Mad Men, Furious Women," um, and it brought to light anonymously like countless stories of sexual harassment in our industry and then there was a massive kind of like shock and horror moment and then it just went back to the way it is and it's going on all the time and I and I find it sickening and I'm not saying it's going on everywhere but there is far too many situations where this is happening and being brushed under the carpet by
3: management um, that's the problem the yeah the problem that they that they they're aware and yet they're still choosing to bring someone into an agency where ultimately the the creative team or whoever it is will feel unsafe like that's that's a huge huge problem from a human point of view from a creativity point of view you know because the best the best work comes when you feel comfortable you know to share stuff and you not feel um nervous all the time so yeah it's it's not not great at all um and i think they should be na- i mean it's yeah they should be named and shamed because those are the types of agencies that need to learn their lesson you know
1: the it's, awful um, thing is is the fear perpetrated around this and i yeah, know of stories mm-hmm. where the happens to be a male in this particular example the male in question is more than aware that he can scare that younger more junior female into silence and has literally done so and we've got a situation where the perpetrator is able to walk around without any fear of um you know comeuppance for want of a better word because the management's on their side too and the person who's the victim is the person that's also paying the price. Um,
2: yeah. It's very just... sad. It's very sad. I think it goes back to the question we were talking about earlier on about, you know, gender and getting people in, in top management who aren't all male I hate to know that that's happening. And, you know, like I agree with Tim, you know, just these fuckers should be like, you know, drawn out and just like, come on. This I
1: wonder, get like, real. what? I'm kind of like, what's it going to take if someone's already known, literally in their last agency, literally by the management in the new agency to be a problem? And, has yeah. been, you know, c- behaved in a similarly problematic way, again, what does it take? And this is where it, it, like you say, it's got to be flushed out in one way or another. And it's, it requires like a zero tolerance policy. Yeah. But how can that happen if you've got too many management teams, which are you know often male and female, that are turning a blind eye? And I don't know what they're getting from it. I honestly don't, because you're going mm. to have a very distressed um, group of people working for this person. They're not going to be doing their best work. And you're looking at a lawsuit coming your way. So I don't know why they're so adamant to protect them, because they're often not very good at their job either.
2: No, I think that's it, Joe. You've hit the nail on the head. I just think I think a lot of these people, top tier management, are shit at their job, and mm-hmm. I think they're so scared about opening one door. That's it. They'll open that rest of it, and then everything will become unpicked, and people will be exposed. And I think that's that's the fundamental problem with this. Yeah. And I think you know, and I've seen it. You know, where I'm just thinking, how do you got this job? You know, mm-hmm. you're not even, you're not incapable of of, of Talking to somebody, to be honest. Yeah, you know, so, and, and then they just yeah.
1: drive this toxic culture.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So everybody's got their own backs there in that in that top tier kind of management group, and um, yeah. So I think it's, it's I think that's what they're trying to hide. They're hard. Hide- they're not hiding that particular person. They're hiding themselves. I yeah. think. Yeah, I mean, I think just again, I think you've you've
0: sort of you know covered this really comprehensively, and just whoever you know. Did, did submit this question. What well, I would just add to what everyone else is saying that you've had the chat, I would then document the conversation in an email, make sure HR mm-hmm. has it. There's also another tactic that you can use. And you know, if, if you can't influence the person that you're speaking to, there will be somebody that can influence them. So influence the influencer, go to your boss's boss. If they're not listening, go to their boss. If they're not listening, go, if they've got a boss that's above them, Go as high as you can. It could be an email that maybe it doesn't have to necessarily just come from yourself. There might be two or three of you or more who might be feeling exactly the same. Do is it a collective. Make sure you document it all in an email. And if that doesn't make a difference, you can go on Glassdoor. You can, you can write all of these things anonymously if you want. Yeah. But ultimately, if, if none of this makes a big difference, you need to go and get a new job. Mm. Get in touch with yeah. us and, you know, our, our, whoever you are. I'll try and get you a new job somewhere else. And then, you know, then once you've left that place, you can be as vocal as you want, frankly, because um, you've documented yeah. it all. I mean, they're just some, you know, practical steps, I guess.
1: And, and I think that's excellent advice. The, the issue comes when people are, um, that you think will be an ally or were initially an ally are then spoken to and threatened. And suddenly your allies fall away in a case that I've been told about. Um, And you're kind of suddenly left a bit high and dry. And I think another route to take is to speak to a lawyer and see where you stand. Or there's NABs, which is a free service for the industry. Um, But yeah, you've got to look after your own sanity in in the end. But it's such a shame, again, that it's the person that's suffering that then has to go and also find another job.
0: Yeah, and Nabs is great, and we sh- will put Nabs in the show notes as well. But and you're you're you are right, Joe. Like you know, it it can be really awful when you think you know people that should be your allies actually turn out not to be. But I would yeah. I and I would I would push on that and say because this question started off with one person, right? And now all of a sudden it feels like as we're talking about this, it's not just one per- the person who has this track record. It's the people protecting this person, and they are ultimately, in my opinion, as guilty. Yep. As, as the perpetrator. So whether you've got two or three or four people who are protecting this individual, they should all be brought down mm. as far as I'm concerned. You all mentioned it earlier, this has got to be a zero tolerance, some game. And so I think it's zero tolerance around people who are also willing to protect these individuals too, because they are as equally guilty
2: mm. for their behaviour, yeah. I, I, I would say. I,
1: I think your advice of going higher 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 is is i mean it takes bravery but it is ultimately the only way
0: yeah and it's the right thing to do yeah fine you might think that it would have you know detrimented I... your career but fuck it it's got to be the right thing this is isn't it just yeah. about protecting yourself this is about protecting everyone right
2: mm. i i i agree i love that idea about bio- bio- bio because i don't know about you guys um this is only speaking for me this is just my opinion HR so I I, I don't I don't really know how helpful they will be um so I agree with you Shahid like just like ditch HR you gotta let them know just because you've got to tick a box but go go right to the top you know whoever that is of that organization or, or shareholder or whatever
0: yeah cool all right we all good with that? Get <laughs> <We're Sorry. good. laughs> <laughs> that one down and put it back. <laughs> about that, and
3: now I'm nervous, Reed. whatever's next.
0: <laughs> yeah. oh,
2: okay. okay. <laughs> but you wish you never asked me on to this thing.
1: <laughs> I just think on like one last thing and there's n- nothing like the fear of being the victim. And I, f- I hear it in the voices of the people that do speak to me. And I think, for anyone that is going through something, I really hope that some of these answers have helped. But you've got to know that ultimately, as much as you might be surrounded by a few people that are making you feel terrified, the wider group of people in this industry are decent people and there is support out there. And I yeah. really just don't want anyone to feel like they're completely alone.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Agree. Fantastic. Okay, cool. Cool. I've got a couple of questions that are kind of interlinked. Um, Okay. Here we go. I live in a flat share, so I go into the agency almost every day, but most of our senior creatives, including the ECD, are hardly in. I don't feel I'm learning as much as a result. What advice can you give me and others in my position?
1: I think the, the hybrid way of working is here to stay. And I think we've got to find ways to make it work. And of course, getting together in person, is often fantastic but I think we've got to understand that going forwards we need to kind of make this work and I I just suggest um, you can connect with people just as much in some respects on um, you know virtual chats as you can in the office to an extent so if you feel you're not learning enough and I do think this is an issue of um, kind of a bit of a hybrid situation just just reach out and ask for a a chat or a specific bit of advice you would like to know and approach people. Um and whether they kind of meet you in person or if it's um virtually, you can I think still don't be afraid to ask the questions and to reach out for um yeah, information.
2: I, I, I that that sounds good, but I feel for me anyway, if I if I was back in an agency, um I'd I'd want to be there. Um I'd want to be. I I wouldn't expect everybody to be there, uh, but I'd want to be there Um, as as a creative leader. I'd I'd love to be kind of like in the in the mix of it. You know, maybe if they really want their creative people to be or their creative seniors to be in in there, you know, maybe make a um, get together with with your with your peers, create a bit of a like a drink session or create a little bit of a sort of thing where you get the seniors in there again, and then and then sort of like this is where we want to make a bit of a um, uh, like a Friday night session, or we want to make it a bit of a, uh, you know, a Thursday afternoon, you know, presentation or something. So they start yeah. to sort of like, Oh, that's, that's quite cool. Yeah. I, I like that. So a bit of initiative uh, on their part, because everybody gets a bit lazy and they get when they're at home and I'm stuck in my little, little office. Um, and I, I need to get out, you know, go freaking stir crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I've sort of been in a, forced situation like this in a in a way because i work with america but i'm still currently living in london so with my teams i've done that just what you've said you know there's an initiative of um situation where we just get together it is virtual because i can't just fly to la or new york all the time but um kind of just bringing things that inspire us and and having like it's inspirational but at the same time really kind of um conducive to just getting to know each other and it gets Mm. you know a really nice kind of vibe so i think yeah sometimes there is a way to make it happen um physically and sometimes there's sort of like barriers in in place but yeah I agree once I do move to LA very very soon I'll be getting in there and meeting people in person but at the same time I think going into the office day after day after day to just be sat on calls with people or clients that aren't in the office is also not not (laughs) kind of conducive to good work so it's a balance I think
3: yeah, it is. It, and I think it varies from agency to agency and um, region to region, to be honest. Because if you have a small agency, it's a lot easier to get people in, you know, if everyone is local. But what I'm finding being in a big network is, um, and actually, I, I had this crazy realization a few weeks back when I, I did a, a sort of headcount, you know, we currently have more people globally than we do in New York, you know, for my team creatively so that means that even though we are in new york we have more creatives in canada argentina india copenhagen and now in south africa you know so my team is truly borderless um and global so you know popping Mm. into the office is not really um (laughs) realistic for for us yes we have an we have a beautiful office space in new york of course it's it's great it's right above italy which is uh, deadly but um you know we we it's difficult to get people in because most of the people aren't in (laughs) the vicinity. Um, And we have to sort of work around that. And, and weird things are cropping up in this hybrid world of like, how do you, how do you manage like holidays, you know, in um, different areas or different religious holidays that you just don't account for on a, you know, on, on, on certain deadlines. And it's really tricky. Um, But I think the, the, the key to it all is just making sure that you connect as often as possible with as a creative group, um, and keep that community spirit alive, because otherwise, it can feel like you are uh, operating on, a, on an island, you know. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's fascinating how the world has changed, you know? and I think, as agencies move more and more into uh, streamlining, and, you know, looking, making more financial decisions, and hiring talent outside of uh, big cities, it's, this is going to be more and more of, a, of, a, of an issue, um, and something to be resolved quickly when it yeah, comes I think, to i
1: think um hmm. in a similar way media monks we've got kind of creatives all across the world and um as much as you can see kind of people that are local to you you've got to as you say have regular check-ins and find a way to connect um virtually simply because you know, it it leads to some positives, like the fact you can reach talent in all different parts of the yeah, globe great. is amazing. Mm. Um But yeah, there's there's never only plus sides to things, I suppose. So it's always finding the yeah the way to get the best out of people and to have them feel that they're doing their best work as well. The,
3: yeah, the the problem is, you know, when you when you have sort of traditional stuff that we've all grown up with, which is a, a really creative agency that you love going into because there's there's a vibe, there's an energy, uh, you know, things are happening. There's free biscuits, um, you know, t- tea and coffee and, and drinks. <laughs> yes, Dr- the biscuits. That's of cool. course. Yeah. Toilets. yeah. Flushing yeah. toilets. Flushing yeah. toilets. You know, the lights go <laughs> on, um, no yeah. no energy bills and Wi-Fi. And, you know, and <laughs> and, and that is not necessarily a luxury anymore to, to creatives. I find, like, most times I've been into the office, it's kind of like a ghost town. And it's frustrating because you know, Wi-Fi doesn't work properly, or, you know, you have three people that on the, the line. And, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've literally, I, I once went into a meeting in the office and it was me and another person. And there were six people on the line. Um, and we couldn't be in the same room because of the, the disturbance with our wife. So they went and sat in a separate room. And I went and sat in a separate room. And I was like, I, you know, I could be at home doing this. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's hard to... Um, it, although that, that being said, you know, like there is nothing better than being in the office and sort of feeding off that energy when people are bouncing ideas around. And, you know, uh, like I do miss that part of it. And I don't know if that would ever come back in its form again. Um, it will just be a different type of communication and connection.
0: Well, let me throw in the second question that was kind of connected to this, but it was from somebody else. And then see what you think. So does working from home chip away our creativity so i think it kind of is connected to this mm. it's a big
3: question well
2: i'm i'm, I'm sort of a, i'm at home all, all the time and uh because <laughs> uh, that's how i operate the, the health army from you know so um and again it, it's really sort of up to you to sort of like um try and uh have some sort of discipline uh to keep your creativity going keep it flowing um you know meet up with people um make sure that you you're you have a, that sort of set sort of rigor that you're going to inspire yourself um so yes it can 100 and but everybody's different right and we and and i think you know different characters some might be um very introvert so it suits them okay Um some might be very kind of extrovert so it's not going to suit them okay so yeah so i think we've all got to just like just recognize what kind of personality trait we are and then really kind of like try and act upon that and um, set that discipline, set yourself a bit of a, a bit of a um, right. I'm going to spend my time doing reading all this, these, these annuals or get, get, get loads archive out or go, go and talk to somebody or go down the road, at the coffee and chat to the barista. And um, yeah, so I think, I think it's, you know, I think it does chip away, but only if you let it. And this is me going a bit, random now, but I was
0: I was in I was on the Elizabeth line in London last week for the first time. I mean I'm in London pretty much once or twice a week anyway. But it was the first time I was on the Elizabeth Line, which is a new tube line, um, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about. And I went all the way to Greenwich and I came back and it was pretty brilliant. I was like really beautiful what they've done with it and it was amazing. It was really busy. And it sort of struck me. I was like when I used to work in agency world and I was coming into London every single day. Like just the vibe of london right just being crammed on the tube the art the music the food everything about that city life was in me right and i was bringing that i believed to to, to the agency to the work we were, i was just bringing the environment that i was in the city that I was in into the work i felt very connected to london i felt that connection Very much came through in my being, in in the work that we were doing, and all those sorts of things. Again, which kind of made us feel very different to all the other agencies across the group that we were working with. We were very much the UK London team. And I'm just sort of, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not making a statement. I'm just throwing this more of as an Mm -hmm. additional question to the to the two questions. Is as now we're all working from home from our rooms, and maybe maybe some of us are going in once a week or once a month, whatever. Are we losing a little bit of our personality from the cities that we our agencies are kind of in if we're not there?
1: I I, I don't know. I think uh, you maybe it's a good thing that you've got different kind of inputs. You know, the commute got a bit sort of groundhog day for me in the end. And now I feel like, you know, I can have different inputs, even the fact that you can be working in different parts, different places. Um, in some ways, I think, brings a benefit i i personally don't feel like it's made me less creative to not always be in the office i think the commute can drain a lot of people um in fact Mm -hmm. so it's it's funny um talking about the introvert versus extrovert if you think about it, I suppose the way of working for so many years was very much kind of in the sweet spot for extroverts. And now it's almost like a bit of a rising of the introvert perhaps, <laughs> maybe that's mm. not so bad, um, Exactly. but yeah, I, I think it's as a, as creatives, we're never going to lose our creativity because um, yeah. you just get it from wherever you need to. And, and um Yeah, I I think there's definitely a a great future for creativity going forwards. It's just going to look a little bit different to how it did in the past. But the past was made Mm. when we used to have to go into factories and operate machines. And there is more freedom. And I think as creatives, um, that freedom and ability to be curious and go out there in less of a rigid structure is something that could be really good.
3: I love, yeah. For me um, and Shaheed, I totally hear where you're coming from, because there is a an energy that you can withdraw from a city. You know, walking to work in New York is, you know, you get that feeling of eh, anything is possible, especially when you're playing, um, you know, New York. <laughs> in, in <your> <laughs> I had it in my head as well. <laughs> um, but you know, f- as someone who's commuted a lot in my career, you know, I, I think back to when I was working in Manchester but living um, closer to Wales, and it was took me two hours to get to work every day and two hours back. And I and I I think about that a lot lately during the pandemic and during um, the sort of more hybrid, more acceptable remote working. It's like how many you know, like bedtime stories did I miss with my son? You know, how many. I never said goodnight to him so many nights because I was, you know, stuck on a delayed northern rail train or, you know, stupid shit which just takes away from life. So I'm a big fan of not having to have these incredible commutes to get to a place which is barren or empty. You know, it's different if if, if everyone is in, but it's not the case always. And I feel like as a creative community, we we've we've now entered a world where we can have and be around in our own space, a lot more, and it's so much more productive. Well, for me personally, as an introvert, um, you know, I get joy from small things. You know, gardening a little bit more, or sort of potting my plants while I'm on a call. You know, it's, it's small stuff like that, which is it makes you a better c- creative because you allow yourself time to think um, and not have to be sort of in, in these open plan offices. Like fuck, open plan offices. You know, I hate, I hate yeah, them. I fucking um, hate them too. Yeah, so I, I love my little bubble. It reminds me of being in a little office cubicle as a junior creative, you know, in Cape Town, smashing ideas around with with a friend, you know. Like that's that's the beauty of hybrid working, which, you know, sadly we don't have much of because it's mostly back-to-back meetings with admin calls. But, um, you know, as a creative way of working, I, I love it. I, I think it's uh, it's, a, it's a good thing. And What's personally. Yeah.
1: Um... Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I'm I'm also quite curious about I know there are some agencies that have got an enforced three days in the office, which yeah, yeah. um I find a bit it's kind of like Big Brother when mm. you're you're not respecting you know, we've shown for years that the productivity went up, not down. So what's the reasoning to force people Rentals. into the office? Exactly. Rental it's fees. all about the <laughs> It's all Money. about the um, <laughs> estate of, you know, the yeah. office itself. And mm. and that's just not the right reason. Mm. So as much as I understand it, I think that those agencies that force people into the office, I know for a fact that people want to leave.
3: Yeah, yeah. it's a, And just, I know I've been speaking a lot, but, um, you know, a, a situation which happened is like, okay, everyone back to work, everyone back to the office. And then I had to really work out how much it would cost to move every creative person that was hired remotely or globally, you know, to save costs <laughs> during this period, it would cost the agency so much more that, you know, when I presented that back to the finance team, it's like, oh, actually, yeah, uh, no shit. Uh, we, we think we're okay with more hybrid working. <laughs> Interesting. Because <laughs> New York talent is hard to, you know, it's more expensive, way more expensive.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can't have your cake and eat it, I guess is what, that reveals
2: right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's it's given us a bit of a time to just this whole you know work work, work from home or, or wherever it is you know from a cafe or whatever for, for me anyway it's just like this big reflection um time and um going like i hear you going back into the well, sydney anyway like jumping on a train and, and and going to sydney and i went in there the other day and I'm thinking, oh fucking hell! It's just like everybody's like racing around, or all looking so like important, or dressed up to the nines. I think there's me in a pair of shorts and you know, um, singlet on. No, I wasn't wearing a singlet; I was just wearing a black shirt. Um, yeah, no, and i was just thinking far out. But I'm, but I'm just thinking that like, I love this. This is great. I, I, kind of like fallen in love with stuff again. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's like a you you've, you've been sort of like without getting too religious. You're like born again into this whole area, you know, like you've been dunked in the water and then, and then you kind of like submerge yeah. a, and suddenly you pop out again and go, fuck, this is great. It's like you have <laughs> this, it's almost like even it's like renewed vigor, I reckon, you know? So I think yeah. there's a good size to it.
1: All things in sort of balance, I suppose, because if you're having to grind your way into the office every day, it's too much. and If you're completely isolated at home every day, it's too much. I think it's that. Yeah what's working for people and how, you know, obviously, it's difficult if some people are going in on Sunday and some people, but mm-hmm. as you were saying about, you know, those ideation sessions, will they happen in person? And if so, can there be like a specific need for for that and make it worthwhile? And then people will happily come in. But if you're dragging people in for them to just sit on a call with someone in another part of the world that they could have done at home, they're not going to thank you for it.
2: hmm. Yeah, exactly, and I, and I feel just just on the sorry, to cut in there, just on the just on the from the health army perspective, I'm meeting new people and working with new people, building this, you know, building because I, I it's a contracted business, so I, I, we haven't got time to be fucking around. You just cut to the chase, you are straight to mm-hmm. it, and you, and you, and you find a little niche within within each other, and, and you just like bang, you're off to off to a flying start without without any this like pretense or having to sort of act a certain way because you're in a certain building or a certain city or in a, you know, you're in your own, your own home, your own environment. It's kind of like, you know, you remember when clients are kind of like when, when the pandemic hit, they all kind of chilled out for a bit, you know, and they had mm-hmm. their dogs with them and, and they were like had slippers on and kind of like, you know, became nice for some reason. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it, it's the same way, you know, it's suddenly just like bang, kind of like, you, can, you can like get into it easy so there's a lot of, lot of pros to it
0: yeah no that's cool i think also it because i'm just going back to the, the first question like you know the, the person lives in a flat share so i guess it also depends on your economic status as well like you know i just remember when i started out i was literally living in a little bed bedsit in king's cross next to a brothel with bars on the window you know not enough room to swing a cat in in my little room so I pretty much lived at the agency so I guess I'm not saying you know these people are living on the streets but they might not have the garden they might not have the extra room and you know just for our own mental health as well like if you don't have that separation in your own home between well this is the office and this is where I eat and sleep and live. So I guess, I think what you're saying is absolutely correct. Like it's here to stay, we've got to make it work and all those sorts of things. But just to add to everything that you've just said and just trying to answer this specific person, I think apart from everything we've just heard today, the only thing that I would add is maybe try and find yourself a mentor internally or Mm -hmm. externally put in weekly catch-ups, almost have a bit more of that book crit mentality, mm. but possibly had at college, take it into the job, because there is a difference between connecting and learning, I would mm-hmm. say. So connecting, great, I'm sure most agencies have got that nailed down, but the learning part, the things that I think we all intrinsically picked up by being in agency world, you you, you see and hear the briefs that are going on that you're not meant to know about, that you might go and just have a go with or whatever. So. That's the only thing that I would add. But yes, I think it is here to stay. And I think you make a brilliant point, Joe, as well. Like most of us on this call probably are introverts. So actually the prospect of creating your own space and not having to sort of like be in group, you know, creative gangbangs and agencies is actually quite a nice thing. <laughs> mm.
1: and, and just your quick point to um, the socioeconomic status of people, you, you could argue that at least they're not going to be forced to live in a tiny space in a city when they could kind of go and live somewhere with more space for less money. There's a kind of um, up and down to that.
0: That's a really fair point. I mean, I can just say from my own experience, even though like I had zero money when I started out at placement mm. in my first job at AMV, I had no money. I was minus every single month and I lived in, in like something out of train spotting, frankly. <laughs> but it was the best period of my life. I loved it. I wouldn't trade any of that for a nicer place, a bigger house, mm-hmm. garden or any of that sort of stuff. Because it wasn't, mm-hmm. again, sort of hack hankering back to earlier questions for me and it, and even today it's never been about the money it's always been about the work and the vibe and and, and, and your legacy and what you build so for lots of people yes they don't want to live in crap accommodation maybe it's because I'm just really weird I I, can't, I liked it it was no, I, hate you. I, hate you. I liked the mold I miss the mold what can I say <laughs> The scent of mould. Exactly. (laughs) that that speaks more about me than than most people listen to this. So I think they'll probably agree with your perspective on that for sure. You want to keep going or do you want to end? Or what do you want to do? You let me know.
1: I'm I'm having a great time. Let's do another one.
0: Yeah. We could always do (laughs) because literally I've only got through a third of the questions and Toby we've only asked one of yours. Okay, let's do let's see if we can squeeze two more in. I'll try I'll try and pick some slightly lighter ones. I say lighter ones. Okay. I know who this has come from, but they wanted to stay anonymous. Okay. I'm a white man. Are my days judging on any award show over?
1: (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Really? really? I'm not going to answer that one. (laughs) Please, no. Don't even ask that question. It's just so pathetic. (laughs) I can't.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. No one wants to take that one. Tim. No. No. Okay. All right. We go for a smaller question. Okay. This is interesting. Okay. This is this. Okay. This isn't a quick one, but this is interesting. I've recently got my first job, and I'm a native social media, uh, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, etc. Hardly any of my creative directors are really on there or active, yet they still think their opinions on those platforms trump mine (laughs) what's that all about
1: (laughs) that's that is a good one because and I think that's where personally I am aware that someone that's you know really on a platform is going to know more about it than me if I'm not happen if I don't happen to be active on a certain platform so I personally would very much you know an idea is an idea um, but in certain cases, you have to understand the platform. So, if someone's just kind of and, and I've been in this situation and I've seen it happen as well and heard it ha- about it happening, where if you're not knowledgeable, you shouldn't be the one kind of massively stating what you think when it comes to specifics that are beyond your remit. Yeah, totally. This goes back mm. to that
2: whole thing about learning. Like, like I said, like learning from. You know, I'm talking about younger people. I'm not saying oh, I know. I mean, I've got a TikTok thing, but I don't post anything on it. But I think you know, if you're not, if you're not, if you don't know the ins and outs of it, you know, mm. um, shut up. You know, like yeah. learn from somebody. And um, I mean, I think what was the question there, Shahid? Was it like it, it, what's it all about, or how can they get these guys to sort of to sort of yeah?
0: Comment? What can they
2: do? What what can they do yeah. about that when
0: somebody's saying something that clearly isn't really going to be that valuable or, or that effective.
2: You could you could sort of like ask them some, some of the questions, but that ends up showing them up, and they end up getting back in the corner, and end up probably getting really pissed off. So mm. yeah, it's, that's a that's a that's a tough one, Tim. <laughs> it's a it, it's a
3: tough it, it's a tough one, but but it comes down to that creative leader being um, having an ego, which makes them not understand that they aren't. Uh, good at that area of advertising, you know. Like if someone was really, uh, like, really great socially, like on social media, and you know had a lot more insight than me, of course I'd listen to them a lot more than than I would. You know, as long as the idea is uh, at its core is good, uh, you know, that's where you sort of step step aside and let that person um, lead the conversation and 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 it It sounds like that this person is not having that experience with their boss so i would i would mention it to them in a in a you know in a way that isn't offensive because as Tobe says it they, they probably would um get a bit defensive um but if 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 it's a case of it continually happens and you you're being overlooked or you're being shunned even though you are an expert in that area like oh, I, you know start looking for someone else because not all. Creative leaders are like that. No, no. Um, no, that's right. And you don't want to be around those
2: arseholes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. I agree with that. Cool.
0: Okay. I think that was a comprehensive answer. Thank you for that. Let's just do last one then. This one's slightly lighter. Always good to end on a light note, I think. <laughs> cat up a tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how do not get my cat down? Okay. Uh, why is our industry so obsessed with awards?
3: No, but I, I think... so. Again, for me it's it has been the only thing in my career which has continually helped improve my currency and you know, like help me create a better life for my family. So awards, yeah, they are a bit shitty and the more involved you get with them, you know, you sort of see the darker side and it is, you know, it is not all that great, but it gives creative people who are so undervalued and who always have to fight for a place in um, you know, when it comes to raises and stuff, it gives you ammunition, and it gives you um, a bulletproof reason to say, "Well, actually, no, I deserve, I deserve um, an increase." And I think it's it's important because um, we 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 are judged by that. And it's uh, you know, I, like obviously there are a whole bunch of other things which um, help people improve in their career, but I think this is a, a sort of surefire way of making sure that you can land any job, um, be secure, and uh, improve your career. So, yeah, it is it's a, it's a double-edged sword though, because if you become too engrossed in and obsessed in it, it shows, and people do not like it, you know, because it is a, a dirty old game, um, and you do not want to be seen as insincere, especially in healthcare where the, the, the work, and the products, and the ideas are so Human centred at the end of the day, and if you sort of skirt around the fringes of moral uh, and ethics um, to win a piece of metal, like that's not a great um, human trait. So just be careful of leaning too far into the dark side of awards. But from a purist point of view, um, and also you just want to tell, show your mom
2: that you you know you've achieved something. It's great. Moms love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with I agree with Tim on, on the fact that I think if you go down that whole road of like, you know, must-win awards, must-win awards, and that's driven by, again, it depends if you're on a network or not. Um, you know, there, there used to be like a big pressure to sort of like, you've got to win awards, you've got to win awards on, on creative directors. But I think, I think we should change the word from obsessed to excited. And I think, you know, for me um, – uh, it's it's is so, it it's exciting to see to see new work to see work awarded why it got awarded um, so I think it's a, it's a big excitement it's like the um, I was chatting to, to a couple of guys the other day a couple of Brazilian guys and they were talking about um, uh, it being like the Oscars you know everybody gets excited about the Oscars everybody's like oh, who's going to win and all that kind of stuff. You know why can't why can't we have that kind of thing? You know, um, long as long as it's done properly, and long as it's, I think there's some some things that have gone in there a little bit fake, or, or you know, you look at it and go, oh, that's bullshit. So if we can if we can like cut a bit a lot of that stuff out, if we can. It's like the prototype car, you know, at, at a car show. You go like, okay, nothing I'm gonna fucking make, but it's so exciting to see it, you know. And so I think these the award shows, are, I kind of like that, and they go, wow. Um, And there's genuine award shows, you know, the creative, uh, obviously the floor awards, you know, Shahid, number one, Um, you know, when you see work there and you go, you know, it's been made, you know, it's real and it's fucking brilliant. And you get so excited and inspired by it. And so I think, you know, I I don't think, I think swap the words.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything that's been said, but um, for me, I, I think it's wonderful to see when creativity is effective and it reminds not only creatives why we got into this industry but also clients that creativity can really impact their business Mm. and uh, frankly when I compare the advertising I see in awards you know obviously I've seen some of it out in the wild um, and it kind of reminds me how great it was or some things I haven't seen and I'm really excited by them and inspired but I'm just really glad that there's still great advertising and ideas out there because when you look at the general stuff around you on a day-to-day basis that has been kind of pulled to part and just be made rubbish I'm really relieved to see that there's still good ideas getting through um, so yeah I find it really inspiring fantastic
0: I think yeah that's that's definitely lots of great takeouts there helping to see clients what's possible and also I think you know helping cement our own legacy you know when when we get pushed out of that office right at the
2: end of our careers no I, I do love, I do love the fact that that Joe said you know uh, creativity and the high and, and great creativity is is has to happen to make something su- successful. Another thing I would like to make a point on is the fact that get our people who have done the work up on stage, even if it's like photographers and illustrators, get them up there rather than having you know, um, uh, you know, the ECD who, who who might have just mentioned something on it or or, or done you know like <laughs> uh, helped shape a little bit of it. Get the fucking people up, you know who have done the work up on the stage, please, you know. I feel that like that needs to yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: and and also just from a a different perspective with the benefit of awards, you know, it's not necessarily just about personal. But if you you got to make sure that you're constantly looking at what work is winning because there's a a big issue with like what's relevant and what's trending or what's new. And as a creative person, I think it's important to stay on top of that and um, sort of so you know what to break you know if there's a trend happening or you know what not to do or if stuff has has kind of um been done before you know you don't want to you, you've got to be smart about it and like i i i study the work that wins maybe to a fault um but it's because i'm obsessed with it and i you know it, it inspires me and i i fucking i love judging shows because you get to see all of it and it's like you know i take mm-hmm. it all in because the good, the good stuff is really good, and you can take it back to your clients and say, "Oh my god, look what your competitors doing! Look what other agencies are doing! Like there is hope, <laughs> you know, um, there is smarter ways to do things, and and that's you know, award shows are a huge platform to um, to show the world that uh, what's possible. Otherwise, you know, imagine imagine a, a world of in the creative industry where there wasn't such a a showcase you know we would all be working in mm. insular uh, probably account driven agencies where it wouldn't matter the product wouldn't matter the only yeah. thing that would matter would would be the profits and and that would be really sad so i think awards are
0: crucial yeah to you make you raise a great point as well about getting people beyond the creative department mm. people to actually get on stage which actually is another question because in the healthcare space there aren't really many stages for you to get on because (laughs) hardly any of them actually have an (laughs) award anymore or boxing ring in, in our case so anyway let me conclude otherwise we will go on forever trying to put the world to rights and for any junior creatives listening to this if you can win as many awards as tim you might one day be as rich as him thank you thank you to my <laughs> wonderful panel of deirdries i hope you've all found this helpful apologies if we haven't got to your questions but please keep them coming in more than happy to get our deirdries back to to answer your questions as best as possible you've answered them all fantastically i'd like to thank all of you for your time today and um, please do come back very soon thank you guys
1: yeah well, thank thanks for the you. questions been... everybody
0: thanks Shaheen.
3: it's
1: been really interesting for i've learned some things as well so thank you so much cool